0: The hero factor is that special core fundamental that stands some companies apart to achieve true greatness. There's no better time than now to discover and
1: revive your business story. Your origin story begins now.
0: Happy New Year. We thought we'd start 2020 off right with a look back at our conversation with Peruz Abir, the founder and CEO of Liquid Invoice. We spoke shortly after our Hero Club member-only summit in Las Vegas last year, and Peruz and I covered the importance of trusting your team and why it's okay to fire your customers sometimes. We'll be back with new episodes, but for now, enjoy Peruz Abeer on the Hero Factor. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. So I want to start right off with a quote from the book, and here's what it says. Quote, employees came back and told me, we're heartbroken that you're leaving because you cared for the employees. My employees felt that I was the connection between them and the ownership of the business. I'm glad to have left that legacy behind. And I'm hearing from them now as they found out I have a new startup. They're all calling and asking, when can we come and work with you? So, Bruce, you, you, you gave me that quote, which I put in the, the Hero Factor book. Tell me about when I read that paragraph or read that quote, how does that make you feel?
1: It, it does affirm me because uh, you question yourself a lot of times to see, did I really do the right thing? Where was I in the whole scheme of things in terms of uh being you know responsive to my team?
0: yeah, well, you got to take care of yourself. I mean, selling the business is about taking care of a little bit of you, but it sounds like you were taking care of your employees as you were going along, which is a big part of you know putting people over profit um I agree,
1: and uh one of the things that was interesting is um whenever we would sign up a client. Uh, my associates would ask me, he says, how much is the volume of this customer? And I'm myself, I'm not really in tune with that. I don't look at that. I, I look at how I can serve them. And I would did the same thing with employees. Are they taken care of? And are they able to do their job? I mean, I, I wasn't perfect either. I had my own challenges to face. But uh, overall, that was the mindset. I wasn't looking at the dollars on the scoreboard. I was looking at, okay, was the customer happy? Are the employees able to work with them? Are there any, In retrospect, I was tougher on the employees than the client, obviously, because we expected more out of
0: ourselves. Isn't that always the case that you're tougher on the employees more than the customers? But sometimes you know, we should probably fire a few more clients or customers.
1: Well, when I started learning that you can fire clients, I did. (laughs) (laughs) For a while, like I was, you know, the softy Like no. And there was one client that was really difficult to deal with and uh, very demanding. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I remember one year, the lady who was the client, something went wrong and we ended up paying out of pocket. And she said, so please don't fire me. I said, I think you need to look for someone else. Yeah, exactly. thanks.
0: <laughs> well, and sometimes a bad client for you is a dream for somebody else down the road. I used to always talk about that. In fact, I talked about that in my very first book, The Mirror. The Mirror Test, that sometimes, you know, the worst client for you is the best client for somebody else just because of the mix, you know. Was it, when you when you finally decided to fire that, does, was that more your idea or was it, were your employees also saying, hey, maybe maybe we should get rid of this person?
1: We we talked about it amongst ourselves, and yeah. uh, and I, I I was being the nice guy, and I would end up doing the work. So to the employees wouldn't do it, then I finally said, "This this can't keep going on. This yeah. is not the way to do this."
0: Yeah. So in the new business, tell me about the new business because you had this other business, you sold that. Now you're in the new business. Are they the same, similar? Talk to me about that a little bit.
1: Uh, my passion has always been, obviously, software and financial services. And um, when I went out and, and independently to do consulting, I was working with, as a consultant, one of the companies who, if you look at the online banking services that you enjoy today, the company I was actually uh, called ChemLink, part of Chemical Bank at the time, mm-hmm. which got sold on. And we we watched the progression of going from um, command prompt all the way to Windows, then Windows, uh, from Windows to the web. And now you have the iPhones and all that. I was still dealing with the banks in the former business, and I kept looking at uh, what's going on in the financial sector and uh, money movement. So that's how we got attracted to the payment services. And uh, at, this time, at this time, we are a startup. We're a lean startup. You're trying different things. And um, we've learned a lot of things in the past two, three years. We didn't pivot in a sense of completely changing the business. We were looking to see how we can provide a specific market uh, with a particular software and payment, uh, that would, uh, payments would be parts of it, part of that application. So that's where we're at right
0: now. Super. So when you sold the business and now you moved on to the other one and, and you got this comment from your employees saying, hey, you know, when can we come work with you? Have, have you taken on some of those employees if some come with you?
1: I had to be careful because I had uh, a few years I had to leave them alone. Uh, but mm-hmm. then uh, there was a twist. Uh, one of them, one of the key people, they had to lay him off because of financial reasons. That, uh, so anyway, I ended up picking him mm-hmm. up. I'm sorry. So, yes. So, but did you
0: ha- did you have a well? Did you have a non compete as part of the activity where you couldn't solicit? Because yes. yeah, because yeah. uh, for those listening, and a lot of times when someone sells a business, they they do put in a non compete or at least a non solicitation clause. That yeah, says, yeah. You had something similar to that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So the other, the other half of it is naturally the business is not ready to carry uh, a lot of people. So <laughs> that's, so
0: that's an important consideration, you. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't just bring you, you, can, you in. Yeah. I don't know where you're <laughs> from. Yeah. I literally love to have you all, but there's no money. Yeah. So <laughs> not yet. We've all, Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been there, but you know, it's uh, interesting. Just, uh, I, I like to teach as we kind of go through this, but the non-solicitation calls, many times, um, you you can't solicit, but if they contact you, you can then hire them. But even that's a little tricky, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It makes you kind of feel like mm, it's not fair. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. No. And so uh-
1: Anyway, but I mean, if they leave the company, go someplace else, they can put that, and then I can bring them in. That's yeah, exactly. a good
0: situation. But, yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. So it just, but it does create some, some stress between you and the former owners if you did something like that. I'm not saying you did because you obviously you didn't, but yeah. in this case, they laid them off. What? So, give, so, but that also gets to our values, right? So, how do you choose your values?
1: Part of it is my own personal faith. Yep. OK, I was um, even without that, I remember getting out of college and uh, I don't know, sometimes you have the fantasy of a perfect world where, yeah. you know, everybody's taken care of. But One, one thing that um, uh, led to those is having lived in multiple companies where people were not treated well. Mm hmm. And that compass, that consciousness is like, you look at it, this is not a sense of fairness that if this person was not being paid what they're really worth or they did the work and someone tells you like, oh, find their hot button and then drive them through their hot button. And I'm myself, you know what? They earned this. They earned the money. Why are not you, we have the money. We can pay them. Take care of them and do the recognition. Do both. Yeah those um are the pieces that basically began to unpack uh, mm-hmm. our values so how were
0: they how were they shaped your values were they shaped through parents uh relatives were ooh
1: um combination um yeah. my my father uh, my gosh he he's a uh, he's such a sweet man um, mm-hmm. and the way he uh, took care of us. He's very generous. He was generous with his friends. He was generous with his family. Uh, he did get abused, but he didn't give up. And uh, yeah. that, he was definitely a role model.
0: What you, what'd your dad do? What did he do
1: for a living? He was a structural engineer. And uh-huh. he had his own business in Iran. So mm. And um, just hearing the conversations and I had the pleasure of working with him before the Iranian revolution at his office. And you have the co- uh, common politics of the office and the employees. And they, they they had to be careful about how they talked about my father when I was uh, been sitting with the drafts, the, the guys who were doing the drafting. Mm-hmm. But overall, um, I would hear the same thing from them. They They did. Uh, speak of him as a generous guy and uh, that he cared for the employees
0: so yeah, I, I can remember years ago my father was in the military and i went to what was called a squadron uh picnic uh-huh. where he was in the air force and so so as a kid you know they had like a grease pig contest they had volleyball right and so i went over and you i know, was a teenager i remember i was in the volleyball playing volleyball and you know doing a pretty good job and then one of the finally one of the airmen uh, said, who's your father? And I said, Hazlett, Sergeant Hazlett. And they go, the Sergeant Hazlett? And I said, yeah, because they were all scared of him because he used oh, to gosh. always make them go get haircuts and things like that because uh-huh. he, he was kind of a, a real tough ass, you know. So uh, how does it make you feel when people talked about your father?
1: It felt good. Yeah. It made me, it made me proud of him. And yeah. he he has a few other accomplishments outside of the um, uh, workplace that uh, – and I'm very thankful. And uh, I, I can't leave my mom out either. She yeah. she's, she's, um, has a servant heart as well. She just uh, was just in Israel. Uh, she had been teaching painting and art 25 years in the community to the elderly and even the young uh, families. So they were, they were basically having an exhibit in her honor and honoring her. And the night before, she was panicking, says, maybe nobody is going to show up. I said to her, I said, I'm, I'm sure they'll show up. And she was worried about me not getting there because I was in the middle of going um, from one city to the other. So I said, look, I may come there late, but I'll get there. She, that was not acceptable. But anyway, long story short, <laughs> I made it. Yeah. And, and thank goodness, there were about 40 people, her former current students, the mayor of the town came. And uh, they talked about what the given person she is. And, mm-hmm. um, just, again, I, I do believe uh, part of that runs uh, in families because I've seen families who are not that way, and I've seen the results of uh, how the family operates overall, and that seeps into the marketplace.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. This last week as we were all together, a number of Hero Club, when I'm talk about Hero Club, we're all together. And in one of the discussions that really came out was the word love. It was, yeah. it was, I was surprised by that, that, that the, the takeaway word that came out of a couple of days of business discussions was around the word love, and most people wouldn't think that. I agree. You're, and you're describing that here right now. Yeah,
1: and you have to talk about the exact definition of love because in English, the word love can cover multitudes of things, but in this, mm-hmm. in this aspect, we looked at selfless love. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm almost getting teary eyed that when we went to um, work with the folks that su- su- uh, serve the children and packing, yep. and it was yep. a lot of fun. But you and I both like uh, our heart was wrenched when hearing the story of how many kids g- are going without food. And there's no necessity of that. But, yeah. um, you know,
0: Las Vegas, 15,000 kids. 15,000 yes. kids in Las Vegas. We did and, and Peruse is talking about the fact that the Hero Club after our event, we decided to go over to a facility, a pantry where they're serving children uh who need lunches and need food over the weekend and we we packed 3,000 lunches and it couldn't have been more fun. Um and just rewarding, but but all, you know what I mean by fun? It was just it yeah. made you feel good. Yeah, we were sweating we were, we were competing but you know we were but we were having a great time and we were loving every minute of it
1: and that one of the things that um that we want to make sure is that this wasn't one time we did this okay yeah. we all you know yeah. we are happy yeah. no this yeah. i i do believe that's going to uh, hopefully blossom to a longer term relationship yeah. Uh, I'd love to see. I'm in Philadelphia. It turns out um, the gentleman who runs it, he's from Philly originally. I think I yeah. forget his name. Dan was. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. So he's going to be here, and it should be interesting to see if there's something can be developed out here too. So
0: oh, there's going to be well, there'll be lots, lots of opportunities. Unfortunately, there's people that need feeding and people that have needs all the time. So you know, yeah. those that have it. Those that with the abundance should be able to share. I mean, absolutely. as you know, I could remember my pastor one time we were sitting down praying with a guy who had a really good year and he said, "Jesus." and we went and asked him for some money and he said, that's a lot of money. And then we, we got down and we prayed and said, please, uh, dear Lord, please uh, let, I'll just use the name Jim. Let's let Jim not be so successful so he doesn't have to write a big enough check next time. Oh my you gosh. Know? It, <laughs> that's a great way. Equal pain, equal giving. So let me, so who is the most influential you know, in your life, in terms of business, that you learned from, was it your mom and dad, or was it an uncle? Was it a, was it somebody you worked with? Who was it?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think because there there were multiple people who have had input. Yeah. Um, I come from multi generation of uh, business owners. My mm. grandfather had a um, printing shop in Iran. Uh, mm-hmm. um, my dad I was obviously an engineer on his own. Uh, aunt, my uncle is a pediatrician here, uh, and he still has a solo practice. He, he's in his 80s. He's still working. God oh, wow. bless him. And, uh, when, when,
0: did you, when, did you, when did you immigrate? Did you immigrate
1: before the revolution or after? I, I came on a student visa in 1975. Oh, so early. Yeah, yeah. and in 1979, when the revolution happened, uh, I applied for green card and uh, I was able to emigrate. came became a citizen yeah. in 1986.
0: Were you over there when the revolution broke out or no, were you here? I was so, here.
1: I was, I was, good, I was at, good uh, going to college. I was in the university and my parents left for Israel um, through that. They were there. They, they watched some of the horror things. And yeah. the, the tough part for me personally was my, my dad had designed a couple of major theaters in Tehran. Mm-hmm. And I know at least one of them was burnt down. Mm. And uh, basically, you look at uh, the destruct, of what happened. But anyway, they were there, and I ended up staying here and uh, started working. Um, and what's to me is interesting is actually going back to even small jobs I had at uh, any- at the university. Um, anything that was assigned to me, I knew I needed to do with excellence. To the point that when uh, I changed one very simple work of the organizing books in the library. And these books were first from Sri Lanka and uh, India and places like that. I don't read that, that stuff. Basically, I have to look and look at the pattern and match them up. When I left, uh, I was leaving those, those guys and said, no, you're the best one we have. <laughs> and then uh, we were grading um, uh, student uh, homework for one of the classes uh, my senior year and learning systems and systematizing and making it efficient because I had figured out uh, which students work together to do the homework. I would line them up and grade them all together because <laughs> I, <knew, laughs> I knew they were not copying, but I knew what they did because we did it uh, from previous class. So, mm-hmm. And then uh, moving on and uh, you know, uh, going to the first job where um, you promised the client something, you did it. It didn't yeah. matter how much, you know, uh, you had to be careful how much dollar-wise it cost you. But there were times that I just did that over time and didn't say anything to anybody because I promised to deliver it on time and do the right thing. Yeah. So that, that value system was with me all along between handing in school projects and uh, just delivering what you promised. So uh, that carried th- has carried through through my life. I, I don't know anything different. If that makes sense to you.
0: No, no, that does. C-Suite Radio. So what's the, in, in leadership, you learn a lot of lessons. What's one of the lessons that you've learned?
1: To know when to step back and allow someone to grow. hmm And... It's like raising children that you're afraid they're going to get hurt. So you try to do something for them. But that allowing them to go through that trial is what teaches them. The same yeah. goes for your team. And I did have a hard time le- learning that. I, I, it took me a while. And finally, we had one major project. And I told myself, you need to let them take the lead. And uh, yeah. basically step back. And it was... I acted as an advisor finally and that felt good. I felt good to see him uh, move thing move the ball forward themselves. So,
0: yeah, Jason Forrest I I've mentioned this before in various uh, shows that I've done of course on stage and I give him credit uh Forrest Performance Group. He's out of Fort Worth, Texas, but and he's also a Hero Hero Club member and okay. he, he says he has the saying no show do. Know it, show it and then let them do it. And then but now he's got a new one where he says, no, show, do, teach, which kind of gets into this philosophy that you're talking about right now, where, you, you know, you, you got to let them go through all those steps. And but you're also teaching them as you go along with it. right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I agree that that that's that's the part. I and mean, sometimes you think you're in the middle of a project, you're too busy to teach and you just, oh, yeah. you know what, I'll just do it myself. And you know, yeah. I don't know how many times I've done that. And then I go back and I'm like, well, you know what? you the l- tough lessons you learn as you go yeah.
0: along yeah it, and it is tough because it takes more time yeah. you know it's it's so much easier just to do it to get it done but at the same time that's not going to help you get to scale or get to where you want to go if yeah. you're the one that's always doing it right no
1: no and uh, yeah. in the new business i definitely have uh, i remember sitting down with the, my uh, cto I know how to learn computer languages. That's not the issue. Basically, I was trying to have him sit sit me down, maybe do additional coding. And the first session I sat with him, I looked at him and said to him, you know what? I'm done. I think you need to take this. I need to do what I need to do in terms of uh, acting as between sales and CEO and relationship manager. That's where I belong right now. I I can pick up and code, but it's not going to pay him or me
0: either way so yeah i'm having a tough time right now too i've been spending more and more time learning to delegate in fact i have that at the very top of my list every day delegate (laughs) delegate and check delegate and check Um, i I think
1: you've done a marvelous job i mean look at your crew
0: they're phenomenal they are phenomenal i've got great people i've been lucky to have just super people just surrounding me all over the place and the key is to is to let them let them know that they can. It's okay, you know. I'm sure you have this too, Bruce, where they come back and check with you, and ask you some question like it's obvious the answer. So I would just say, well, what do you think? <laughs> why are you asking me? What do you think? Is this sound reasonable? And the usually they say, yeah. Then I said, well, well, why do you need to ask me that?
1: Well, I think they're looking for affirmation as well. So yeah. you have to balance that out. But uh, I'm glad you're saying that because I don't ask the question; I will start giving the answer. <laughs> How you do it? This is, I have to learn to ask those questions better.
0: Yeah, so. well, you, I, that's one of the things. If you were sitting in my shoes, sitting right here in my seat, what would you do? What would you do? You know, you almost got them bracelets. What would what would Jeff do? <laughs> You know, it's almost like the, what would Jesus do? Can, same initials? I should just buy them. I get a, get a got to get a good discount on them, right? Oh my gosh. That'd be awesome! Do you want to put them hey. in the dot CEO? Yeah, there you go. I could put Creative CEO. What would Jeff do? Well, um, let me ask you a question. You know, because you're basically you're starting the business over a new a new business, right? Yeah, yeah. Not the same business, but right. you know, in the, in the similar field. Well, what what are you what are you learning in this one? What are you taking from the learnings of the last one? That you're saying I'm never doing that again. I'm only gonna do this on this side.
1: The biggest thing is what i I mentioned to you about the coding. I'm not getting into that. Yeah. um, yeah. um th- that that's one big lesson. Yeah. The other um uh part is much less stressful. Yeah. Uh the reason is that I've lived through watching the trials and tribulations of another business and I realized that that's a reality. You talk to customers, you talk to two, 300 people, you may end up getting one or two customers and that's going to have to keep, you keep, keep at it until you build, start building some momentum. And, uh, yeah. um, so if I answered the question, uh, basically learning not to get so stressed out over yeah. that don't happen.
0: What scares you, wanna- you? What scares you? um,
1: Letting the guys who I brought with me, letting them down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Them down. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And it? you know, I got some, I even have family members. There's day I have good days and bad days, right? Yeah. Some day and some days I get really stressed. I do get stressed just like most people do. And I'll snap out or yell, especially if I hadn't had my coffee or six of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Before I get started. And then, you know, I'll say something and then I have to go back and apologize, which I do. I, you know, I call I, you know, pick up the phones and man, I'm sorry for being an ass, you know, um, you know, if we all bad days and that, that, I don't like it when I have to, when I act like that, I don't like it when I, that vulnerable to, it's okay to be vulnerable, but when yeah. I, when I take it out on other people and it's really not about them.
1: Um, that I have to be careful because I'm, I'm working from home and my wife is usually here and she, she uh, sometimes hears it and, yeah. um, the, I have to be very gentle and be able to back off, but the there's another lesson you asked me what other lesson I learned. Listen to my wife uh, she has insight like I wish yeah. I wish twenty years ago when she kept telling me this is there's something odd with this or there's this there's that that intuition uh mm-hmm. I wish I had uh, taken heed to I think would have saved me a lot of heartache,
0: probably a lot of money
1: a lot of money um yep. now. But both, um, another partner, uh, I think you talk, You met Anthony. Uh, I brought yeah. him up a couple times. We, we actually uh, have had situations where we invited both of our wives to be there to evaluate a person, evaluate the situation, and give us feedback. And yeah. it's been invaluable. And uh, uh, I hope I'm uh, humble enough, stay humble enough to continue to do that and not get foolish.
0: Sorry. Yeah, I've always told CEOs, especially when they're hiring assistants, right? Uh-huh. Um, to make sure their wives are involved. Um, that's good advice. It really is. Okay. It is real. it's solid because then when you hire that person, there's never any question about, you know, the relationship. Because you look, let's be clear with powerful men and women, that next person that's, that's going to spend more time than even their wife will or their husband yeah. will spend. That's an important hire. Absolutely. So okay. I've always had my, my wife's always been involved with that. Unless I was in a... Big company where I came in, and I got two or three assistants with with the job, which sometimes okay. I did. Okay. And then um, the other thing I have always done, and I don't know if you do this, but whoever my direct reports are, I always have the my direct. If I'm hiring a direct report, I'm always having the my direct reports interview them as well. Okay. So yeah, so all and I, and I always tell people that you should always have the next level down on your team always interview that person. Because they're, they're inheriting that person as much as you are. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Makes sense. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, Peruz, it's been a pleasure, my friend. I, I thank you. I thank you for your commitment to your values. I thank you your commitment to, to running your organization like a hero and as a hero company, because you are a true example of that. And I just want to thank you very much for joining us right here on The Hero Factor. It's been
1: an honor. I hope what we talked about is be beneficial to a lot of people.
0: Well, thank you very much. You've been great in sharing. Cheers. C-Suite Radio. Hey, at the end of every interview, I like to talk about the things I learned right here on the Hero Factor. And I tell you, I learned a couple of things. One, he mentioned personal faith, which I really relate to as a compass. What's your compass? How do you steer your business uh, in terms of your own compass, the direction you want to go? And the other thing I love is fire fast, you know? And it's not just about firing your employees, it's about firing those customers. So every once in a while, I know we have difficult employees from time to time, but more importantly, we probably have more difficult customers. So think about the ways that you want to write or when or how or what or, uh, you know, which one, but fire those customers and fire them fast. That's what I learned right here on The Hero Factor. Don't forget to tune in to other shows right here on C-Suite Radio. So look at all the shows that we have. I'm sure you'll find another one that's worthy of your listening and your learning. Thanks for joining us right here with Jeffrey Hazel on the Hero Factor. You've been listening to the Hero Factor podcast on C-Suite Radio. Find this and other podcasts like this on com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.